Welcome to Biohacking with Brittany. This is a place where I talk about ancestral nutrition and plant medicine and healthy detoxing and all sorts of other holistic health and biohacking things like that. If you are new, welcome. I'm happy that you're here. And if you're listening for the second time, third time, whatever it is, thank you for tuning in again. I actually want to do a quick shout out to, of all places, Brazil, because I just got an email this morning that was like, you made the top 200 podcasts in Brazil for like all categories, which is insane because I don't even know anybody in Brazil directly. <laughs> and it's a really big deal if you like top the charts, charts that much under all podcasts. Obviously it's easier if you just look at like alternative health or nutrition or things like that, but for all podcasts is a really big deal. So thank you to all of the people in Brazil who are listening. That means a lot to me and that's really cool. And if we haven't already, I would love to connect further on social media. You can hit me up, we can chat and all things health biohacking at biohacking Brittany. And I'm also on TikTok as well at biohacking. So yeah, shout out to that. And I definitely, before we get into this episode, I definitely want to read a couple of the reviews that I get. Again, this is super easy to do. If you haven't done it already, you can just do it on Apple podcasts or even Spotify. So there's been a few recently just pretty cute little ones. This one says fantastic show, five stars. Really love the, the guests Brittany has in. They are so informative and she is a fantastic, so cute. So thank you for everybody who takes the time to do that. Today, I am doing a question and answer episode. But before I even jump into that, I want to give a shout out to the question and answer episode I did a couple weeks ago. I got a lot of feedback from it. A lot of people were really interested in some of the topics that I was talking about, whether it was plant medicine, like microdosing, or it was raw milk, or some of the other things that I talked about, like PRP and that stuff. You guys seem to really enjoy it. So I am kind of thinking I might do question and answer episodes more often, maybe every other week or maybe once a month, we will see how they go. And the more the more I can see who downloads what and what performs well, the more I will cater my content towards that. So if this is something that you want to see more often, let me know because I do make changes all the time. And a quick shout out to this week's sponsor, Sensate. <laughs> I posted a reel about Sensate and a TikTok. I think it was like yesterday. And got so many responses and it's just so funny with social media like that. I really do find sometimes I will spend an hour making a video and then sometimes I will spend 15 minutes on it. And the ones that you spend less time on do way better. And that's just so interesting. And it just shows how we consume content, but that video is about Sensate and I'm still using Sensate. It is a device that goes on your chest and it vibrates and it helps to tone the vagus nerve. So when we're in this like fight or flight mode, when we're super stressed and we use something like Sensate, it helps get us back into rest and digest mode. 
and calm us down and really just make us less stressed. So I have been using this for over a year and I use it throughout the week. I use it when I'm kind of getting burnt out or life is kind of heavy and it really does help. It really, really does help. So Sensate is amazing. They gave me a discount code for you. It's Biohacking Brittany in all capitals. Use that. You can get a discount and they ship worldwide. So it's a question I get quite a lot is, you know, I'm not in the States and I'm not in Canada, but can I still get this? And they definitely, definitely do. So if you're overworked and overwhelmed and kind of looking for a tool to support your mental health, Sensate is definitely one of my go-to mental health tools. And so now let's move on to the podcast. Just going to take a drink here. I'm actually drinking (laughs) pre-workout during this podcast because I'm going to go work out after this. It's much needed. So the first question is about ancestral nutrition. Somebody writes in, and these questions come from my social media, by the way. So mostly from Instagram. I just have started screenshotting some of the questions I get and I'm answering on them on the pod. So if you want that to be you, let me know. This person says, what is ancestral nutrition exactly? What is the difference between ancestral and paleo nutrition or eating? Okay. So this is a great question. When it comes to ancestral nutrition or like ancestral eating, I think is what it's called more often. This tends to refer to the way that our ancestors ate without a specific period of time. So it's typically before the industrialization of food and before modern farming practices. So let's say before, oh gosh, eek, I don't even want to say something because I don't know exactly, like, I don't know, 1900s, 1800s maybe? No, probably 1900s. So before that period of time, and that was before we got into processed food, before we started making food on such a large scale and monocropping and using GMOs and pesticides and herbicides all before we really, really made food more of a product and less of a natural thing that came from earth or comes from earth. So that's what ancestral nutrition means. It's like before this modernization of food and it doesn't refer to any specific period of time. Whereas paleo is like the paleoethic era of when humans were on the earth. And this was about 10,000 years ago. So that diet and that way of eating is a very, very specific time and does not like encompass all of the years since then, but before modernization of food. And that is like something that It's interesting because I guess ancestral nutrition actually includes paleo, the paleo era, but paleo does not include ancestral eating because it's too broad and too wide. So with paleo, you're kind of looking at food like fruits and vegetables, some potatoes. I mean, that one's kind of questionable. Definitely no grains, definitely no, even milk is, I think, and dairy is one of the ones that is not allowed. Like typically like paleo is dairy free, but you can have eggs. So a lot of animal protein, a lot of eggs, fruit, vegetables, some nuts, that type of thing. It's a very clean diet. And I know because I was paleo for a long time. 
like a long time. Like when I started my health journey, when I was 16, I started with being paleo. Like that's when I realized what natural health was and nutrition was and how big of a deal this all was. That was what I gravitated towards the most. And actually, I think the first book that pushed me towards that was called Wheat Belly. And it was all about grains and flowers and how inflammatory they are. And they cause so many different issues for us. And so that really pushed me towards that. And I actually responded really, really well on being a paleo diet. It helped clear up gut health issues that I had, helped with my skin, helped balance hormones at the time. But I was doing it very much like 80-20. You know what I mean? This was the era of my life where I started partying and going out on the weekends, but then was like eating really clean during the week, that kind of whole life. And I lived that life for a long time, like through university, I did the same thing. So I've been there. I understand paleo and I love it. For me personally, now I have moved towards ancestral nutrition and ancestral eating because I do think it is easier to follow and it's more encompassing. So ancestral eating includes things like raw milk, but it doesn't include processed milk, right? There's that like defining point there of, hey, we're taking this raw food from this animal versus, hey, we're taking this thing processing it. And now you have some sort of leftover processed milk that is a small little bit of what it once was. So I consume raw milk. I like raw cheese. I consume grass-fed butter and goat butter. And those types of things you can't... Well, you shouldn't really have when you're paleo. So ancestral is also just a very whole foods diet in general. So it includes all types of fruit in their natural form and all types of vegetables in their natural form, whether it is a white potato or it is a sweet potato. So the idea there is this is based off of what we, yeah, what we had access to regardless of the years and regardless of where we were living as well. So the other thing as well with ancestral eating that I've seen a lot in the blogs and online is this focus on localization and using local farmers. So while you can eat oranges in the summer, even though they're not in season until the winter, the idea with ancestral nutrition is like follow what is in your region and try to eat as close to home as possible. So instead of eating Florida's, my gosh, oranges shipped in from Florida, you would eat apples that are from an hour from your house or whatever it is, something like that. So there is this focus as well on localization with ancestral eating. And that is not the case with paleo. So I also like that because it really does promote going to the farmer's market and meeting your farmers and creating these relationships and taking your money and giving it to the farmers that are in your town and in your city and, and really giving back to your local community. So those are the distinctions that I see and that I follow. Again, I do not follow ancestral nutrition or ancestral eating to a T. I have sushi. You know what I mean? Like it's, (laughs) it's not, it's not followed. I don't follow it specifically all of the time because I just think that dieting in general like that is problematic and too restrictive for me. And it is for a lot of people. So I take it with a grain of salt. 
and I do the best I can with it. But I am sharing a lot about ancestral eating lately and including raw milk. And if you are interested in finding raw milk yourself, you can go onto my website. There is a new raw milk freebie. It's called six benefits of raw milk and how to find it. And I give you, I think five different ways to find raw milk where you live. So if you are interested in that, go for it. You can download it for free right on my website. Okay. Question number two, what is your morning routine? Does it change often? How do you make time for it when you work and have such a busy life? Yeah. You're telling me. So my morning routine definitely, definitely changes. I used to have more of a strict morning routine, I would say, but it changes with the seasons, to be honest. Like in the summer, I typically wake up much earlier than I do in the winter. I kind of go to bed with the sun, rise with the sun type of idea. And yeah, it changes a lot. Like right now, I wouldn't say that I have some sort of specific routine that I follow to a T every day. And that's because life is really full right now. And I need to get back into it probably is what this is telling me. So I'll tell you what I do right now. And I'll tell you what I need to be adding back in. So what I do right now is... I wake up in the morning and the first thing I do is take my temperature. And this is because this is how I track my menstrual cycle. So I use an app called natural cycles. This is my form of birth control essentially. And this is how I'm currently preventing pregnancy. And this tracks when you ovulate, it tracks your cycle, tracks when you get your period, predicts it. And it is the only FDA approved cycle tracking app out there, which is part of the reason why I wanted to use it. I love this app. I think it's fantastic. And to everybody out there who all the women listening who are tracking your cycle by just putting your period in, I think this is great and helpful. However, I would really suggest leveling up and getting a thermometer and tracking your temperature or tracking your cervical mucus, or even if you're like really, really into it, Uh, your cervical placement. I I don't think that's the correct word for it, but yeah, that's the other way to do it. So I have some friends who are trying to get pregnant and they say, oh, I use these apps and I'm getting my period on this date. And potentially I might be ovulating obviously two weeks before ideally. And I don't know. And the app says that I might be ovulating on these days. And it's like, I understand that. And that's great. But if you take your temperature every single morning, you know exactly when you ovulate because your temperature rises, right? So it is so specific and tried and true. (laughs) Like the history of tracking your cycle with a thermometer, with your temperature or your cervical mucus, there's actually quite a long history of it. And I actually think there it's actually quite, I don't know specifically, so don't quote me on this, but I know it has a history in the church as well. I think it's in like the Catholic church of women teaching other women how to do this because they don't believe in birth control. And this is how they can actually track their cycles and not get pregnant, but also not go on the pill or something like that. So this method is very, very common. There's so many different ways to do it. You can use a chart. That's what it used to be before the apps is you would have a book and there'd be a chart and you would chart your temperature. And then when there'd be the spike, that was when you were ovulating. I've seen the charts. And so, yeah, I think that that is something that you could do, but the app's 
are so much easier. So when you are in the first phase of your cycle, your follicular phase, after you have your period, your menstrual phase, then you have your follicular phase, and then you ovulate. And so when you ovulate on the day that you wake up and you ovulate, your temperature is like 0.5 higher, 0.5 degrees higher. And we're talking Fahrenheit. Yes, I do mine in Fahrenheit. So for me, let's say on average, my temperature is actually kind of low. So it'll be like 97.3, 97.45, that type of thing. It's, and it's kind of always been like that. But then when I ovulate, it goes to 98.45. It goes up by even one degree. So there's like a significant jump there. And because I've been doing it for so long, I know my body's temperatures so regularly now that. I'm not just going to randomly one day wake up and have like 98.5. That is when I've ovulated. So if you are preventing pregnancy or planning pregnancy, or you're just trying to track your cycle, this is what I would like really suggest you, you do. So yeah. So that's the first thing I do on my morning routine is I take my temperature. I get out of bed and I go to the bathroom. And then afterwards I scrape my tongue. So I use a copper tongue scraper. And I got this so many years ago, like so many years ago from a company called living Librations, And they're actually based in Ontario in Canada. And it's literally like a copper, a piece of copper metal. And it's a shape like a U and you hold on to it on both sides and you scrape your tongue down and you scrape all of the gunk that is on there that has accumulated overnight. So all of the bad bacteria, everything that makes your breath smell bad, all of that, that is what happens when you scrape that. So that's what I do when I like using copper because I don't want to use plastic. I don't want to put plastic on my tongue, in my mouth. Copper is antibacterial, antimicrobial, all of that type of thing. And so it also has benefits like that. And I think someone else was saying how it helps balance out other minerals as well. So that could be something as well, but it's hard to find the copper ones. There's a lot of ones that are actually have aluminum in there. So if you are getting a metal one, make sure you actually read what it's made out of. If it has aluminum in it, please do not use it. Just be careful and make sure you actually read what the ingredients are. So after I do that, those are like my two non-negotiables. I've been doing both of those for, oh my gosh, like four years maybe longer. I don't know, something like that. And then I, then it's really flexible of what I do next. I like splash my face with water. I don't wash my face in the morning because I find it dries out my skin. So I just do a nice water rinse and I'm actually getting a filter for my sink tap, which I'm very excited about because I have filters for the water I drink on my showers but I don't have filters on the taps in my bathrooms. And I really want this because this is the water I'm washing my hands with. This is how I wash my face. And at night, I usually don't walk to the fridge to get filtered water. And I'll drink that water. And there's definitely contaminants in it. There's definitely... I actually think my water is high in sulfur here because it smells like it. So I'm actually getting it tested. Anyway, so... I'm getting my taps filtered and I'm really excited for that. I'm working with a company called Filter Baby, I think it's called. I don't have them yet, but stay tuned because I'll definitely talk about that on Instagram. 
so yeah, so I wash my face, get dressed. And then it kind of varies. I, at one point I was doing really well with early morning workouts. I was going for runs. I was going for walks. I was just really getting outside and I was doing that a lot over the winter, which is weird because now over the summer, I'm not doing it as much, but it's brighter outside and warmer outside. So I need to get back to that. But when I have my life together, that is what I do. So get dressed. Maybe I've made coffee the night before. Maybe I'm taking just water and I take my dog head out the door and I fast during that. It'll only be coffee or water. There's no calories at that point. And I'll do exercise and ideally get outside. Sometimes I'll listen to a podcast, sometimes music, or sometimes I go with my fiance, Ryan, and go for a walk. And it's really grounding. And then I come back and then it's like social media time and all of these things. So that's kind of what it looks like right now. I wouldn't say it's that complicated to be honest, or that intense. I think the biohacks that come from it are cycle tracking naturally, obviously a biohack, supporting my oral microbiome by tongue scraping, and then grounding myself by getting outside, getting fresh air, getting negative ions, movement because I go for a run or a walk, and not being on my phone, not being on screens, right? Like I am a little bit, if I turn a podcast on, but I don't even open email, social media, anything until I get back because there's no way I'm dealing with notifications that early in the morning. And so, yeah, so it is pretty holistic as a routine and it's probably not that long, maybe an hour. You know what I mean? If I go for a nice long walk, like hour, hour and a half, but sometimes I just go for a short walk or sometimes I go for a short 20 minute run. And then that whole routine's only, I don't know, half an hour. It's so it's really not intense. And I like like that. I know some people are like red light therapy every morning and sauna and big stretches and get the lymph moving and all of these things. And I understand that. But for me, it's like, how do I wake up my mind and my body and get myself into a good headspace for the day? without feeling overwhelmed. And so this is what I'm doing right now. So yeah, that's what it works. I definitely have more of a strict evening routine, but that's for another time. Do you ever feel frazzled, not grounded, stressed, and like you have way too much on your plate? Of course, you know you should be taking time for self-care, but doesn't mean you actually are. And it kind of just feels like another thing on your to-do list. I have definitely been there. It's tough to kind of balance everything these days, especially for those of us working from home with extra side hustles and or kids. Stress reduction feels like a nice idea, but never something easily achievable in the moments when we need it the most. I believe in solutions that use science to help us be healthier on a daily basis, but without crazy technology or tools that aren't accessible or affordable for everybody. I use Sensate which is something that I've been using for a long time now. And I spoke about a lot last year, which is a groundbreaking innovation in wellness technology that uses the natural power of sonic resonance to calm your body's nervous system, providing immediate, immediate, let me tell you, relief and long-term benefits from regular, regular use. 
It calms your nerves and helps you feel better in as few as 10 minutes per day. It improves stress resilience to help you cope with whatever life throws at you. And it increases heart rate variability, a known biomarker of health and longevity. This is so important because for many of us, our body's built-in stress management system is simply just an overdrive. Sensate's novel patent technology was designed to send infrasonic waves through the chest to reach the vagus nerve that sits deep in the core of our nervous system. By speaking to our body's command center, we can control how we respond to all the positive and negative things that we experience each day, which is just so cool and such an easy, easy biohack to bring in every day. You can use my discount code, which is biohackingbrittany in all capitals. Um, I will put the link in the show notes and it's on my shop page at biohackingbrittany.com and you get $25 off today. If you have any questions about it or when you get it, please message me. I'd love to chat as this is one of my favorite biohacking tools to use on a regular basis. Moving on workouts and weight loss. Okay. So how do you, how do you stay in shape? especially coming off of COVID, I've gained weight and I don't know how to lose it. It doesn't seem to want to budge. What workouts do you recommend? Do you have any supplements for weight loss? How do you eat your food and where can I begin? Wow. Okay. So this was a lot in there. I didn't read all of it because there's a little bit of personal information in there. Yeah. Okay. So I am not a weight loss coach at all. I am a holistic nutritionist. Yes. And I am a biohacker. Yes. Am I an expert at anything? No, I have just my own experience and my education to go off of. And that's at the point that I'm at. And I like it like that. So in terms of weight loss, I, I definitely feel this. I definitely feel you. I think everyone I know has gained weight from COVID. Almost everybody. And that is because of how much we've been home, how much we've been sitting, the lack of an active lifestyle and poor eating choices, Uber eats, overconsumption of calories, overconsumption of food, junk food, and then stress. And us having poor mental health and not sleeping well and not knowing what's going to come next. And so it's like the perfect storm, to be honest for your health to deteriorate and for you to gain weight. Cause it is, cause it's not just one factor. It's all of them. It's a full encompassing issue and thing and setting, I guess that can cause you to gain weight. And so I understand you. So I will speak personally to this for everybody just listening. And I, I don't really talk about this on social media because my audience is much larger there, but I, Yeah, I definitely gained weight during COVID. Actually, I think, I don't know what it was specifically, but I think I actually gained the most weight I've ever in my life from COVID, from during COVID. And weighed the most is what I'm trying to say. So that was really hard for me to understand and wrap my head around and change (laughs) I, so I got to this point, I don't know, I think it was a few months ago, five, six months ago, maybe. Yeah. It's probably like five months ago. And I was like the heaviest I've ever been. And let me say this with a disclaimer of, I am very much a healthy person and have a healthy weight 
and have a healthy BMI and do not need to lose any weight at all. And I'm very, very much aware of that. I'm very much aware. And so it's probably why I don't talk about it a lot. However, I know what I feel best at and I know how I, I like my clothes to fit and how I like to look and what I personally feel good at as me myself. And so it's okay that even though I'm in the healthy range that I want to be at the point where I was before. And that is something that I'm working towards and that's fine. Yeah. So it's hard because I, you also don't want to go to the other edge of only loving yourself when you're a certain size and only loving yourself when you're a certain weight. And that is very difficult. And that is really something that I struggle with. And I'm not at all an expert in no, I don't want to say self-love, body positivity and all of that. That is not the world that I'm in. That's not my niche. And I struggle with it myself. And therefore I don't have these grand recommendations for people to get through that because I haven't gotten through it. And so I can't say to you, love yourself no matter what your weight is right now. And it's going to be fine. And screw society for making you feel like you have to lose weight. I can't say that to you because I feel so much pressure myself and I actually know exactly how you feel. So I would say for me, what's really helped with wanting to lose weight myself. And I think I've lost about half of the weight that I want to lose, which is really nice. And honestly, it feels really good. Like it feels really, I feel much better in my body. I feel much more like myself. I feel way more confident. I just feel better all around all around. So I'm actually really happy about that. So things that I've done that have helped with it is started to track my fasting. So when I was intermittent fasting every single day for a few years, like a few years ago, it was so easy to keep weight off, right? Like when you're doing 16, eight, let's say four or five days a week, like your eating window is cut so short and so much less than what it traditionally is, is that you're just naturally taking in more calories. And so you are going to obviously not be gaining as much weight. And if you're keeping the same active levels, you're still going to the gym and doing these other things. That's exactly what happens. So however, it screwed with my sleep and screwed with my hormones. So now I bring in a 24 hour or 20 hour fast once a week. And I kind of watch how I feel with it because I was noticing when I was doing the 24 hours that it actually really impacted my sleep, even though I was eating on the night that it would end. So say like I stopped eating last night and then I'd be fasting right now until tonight, my sleep tonight would be really crappy because I had fasted for most of today. So the 20 hours seems to be good in terms of having a meal Um, right at the 20 hours, waiting three hours and then having another meal and then going to bed. That seems to work really well with me and not screw with my hormones and my sleep. So I haven't perfected it, but I think that might be my sweet spot. So that has really helped. And then in addition to a, let's say 20, 24 hour fast once a week, I also do fasting nightly. And sometimes it's 10 hours. It's not even that long, but sometimes it's like 14, 12, Usually I would say it's 12, but I use the app Fastic, like F-A-S-I-T-C. And 
this has really helped because it's actually tracking it for me. So before I was like, oh yeah, I fast every night because I'm sleeping and I'm not eating. But now I'm like seeing like my eating windows day in and day out. And I've become crystal clear on what I'm eating and what I'm not eating. And it's helped me realize, okay, like maybe I do want to push it to 10 hours or maybe I do want to push it to 12 hours every day because I am seeing the benefits in cognition, weight loss, less brain fog, that type of thing as well. So that's helped me as well. And then I also, I don't have a CGM right now, which is a continuous glucose monitor. I would love to get one and I probably will get one in the next year from levels, but I have a Lumen device right now that I use. I guess that should be a part of my morning routine actually, because I do do this now is I blow into my Lumen device. And this is kind of like a, I guess it's like a breathalyzer, but basically it takes your breath and it tells you if you're burning fat or carbs and this, then you can use that to see if you're in ketosis and where you are and how good you are at having a flexible metabolism. Cause we should be, we basically should be able to go from burning fat to burning carbs and back. And that's kind of the idea that we want. And then when we wake up in the morning, we definitely want to be burning fat. So it, that's what it looks at. Like how you're, how many ketones you're burning. And this is helpful for me as well, because now I'm seeing oh, I am in ketosis in the morning. Okay. Last night I had a big plate of sushi. So I'm actually still burning carbs this morning. So maybe I should fast another hour or two to let that burn off before I eat food. And it just, it's another data point that then you can make smarter decisions based off of that. And I also actually do this in conjunction with fasting, just like I mentioned of I'm fasting for 12 hours. Okay. Where am I at? Okay. Let's do another two hours and then let's see if I'm burning more ketones and less glucose at that point. And then it's really interesting when I track it with the 20 hours and the 24 hour fast, because you would think that the longer you fast, the less glucose you're burning, the more ketones you're burning and like the more stored fat you're using for energy. So that does make sense. However, you can get to a point where the fasting is causing stress in your body which is releasing cortisol in your body, which then releases glucose back into the bloodstream, which means you're burning glucose for energy again. So when you're figuring out this like fasting window, you can use something like Lumen to see, okay, this is great. I'm fasting. I'm in ketosis and I'm using fat for car for fuel right now. But then if you see, oh, I'm actually burning carbs, that is the stress response. Then you know that you've gone to your limit for fasting and you should eat something because it's too stressful in your body. So long answer short, I think the way that I've been able to lose half the weight that I've wanted to lose so far is through fasting in a way that doesn't disrupt my hormones and my sleep and monitoring my fat versus carb burnage throughout the day. And then of course, walks, getting outside, saunas, steam rooms, exercise, everything like that, but not too much. So great question with that one. And when I lose the rest of the weight that I want to lose, I will definitely talk about it. Maybe we'll see. <laughs> it's yes, yeah, not something I open up a lot about. And last but not least, 
I found your photo about enemas and was wondering if you're still doing them. What do you recommend and how can I get started? This is a great question. So in case you haven't noticed, I'm updating my brand a bit, my business a bit, and I've been building out my pillars. And by that, I mean, what are the main topics that I want to focus on? What responds best with my audience? What do they love the best from me? What performs the best on social media, podcast, newsletter, everything like that. And one of them, one of the topics that kind of comes up again and again is enemas and detoxing. And so I think that is going to be my third topic. And I think I am going to call it healthy detoxing. The first one is ancestral eating. And the second one is plant medicine. And so the third one, healthy detoxing sounds about right because I actually do a lot of saunas and steam rooms and enemas and vitamin C cleanses. Even dry brushing is like technically like detoxing the body. I think that is something that is going to, I'm going to flush out more. So great question. You are right on brand. So the enemas, yes. So I haven't done an enema since March, I would say which means it's definitely time to do one. I was doing them a lot before I went to Costa Rica. And that was out of attempt to, I don't even know, lose weight, be less bloated, detox in some way, you know? So I haven't done it since then and I will do them again. And I like, I really, really like doing them. And I like doing them because they provide a lot of, relief for your gut and well, not your gut for your colon and really help flush out a lot that can kind of accumulate in there. So especially actually just thinking about this out loud right now, especially because I'm dealing with like skin rashes on the back of my legs, which I posted about. I think it's I don't know if it's eczema. I didn't have eczema as a kid. So I know you could have adult onset eczema, but I don't know if it is that to be honest. Like, I don't know if it's a heat rash or bacterial or histamine. I'm still looking into it, but detoxing through something like an enema could be really great for that because how much bad bacteria and an imbalance of microbes is going on in the colon right now. And when we don't do things like enemas and we don't do things like colonics, it can really build up over time. So that's why I like it because I think it really just resets the system, flushes things out. And I'm happy to do a full episode on that and dive deeper into it and explain it better and have more of the science ready to go for everybody listening. But I would suggest everybody try it. I actually have a friend who's opening up a colonic clinic in Vancouver. And I'm actually going to go there and I've never done a clinic. So that'll be interesting, but I recommend you try it. I actually have, I should add it to my Amazon storefront actually. And I will do that right after this is there is a enema kit that I bought off of Amazon and it's comes in like a bag and has a pipe. And it comes with all different types of heads that you can use for your enema. I love it. It's super easy to use. However, it is made out of plastic. And so I actually will likely buy a new one now that I'm thinking about it. There are metal ones as well, but 
I don't love this either because then I think about like metal toxicity. Is there aluminum in it? Is it steel? What is that made out of? Ideally, we would want, ideally, we would want a glass enema kit, right? Or a ceramic one, but I've never seen that. Doesn't mean it doesn't exist or I can't make it myself, but I've never seen that. So I'm going to write this down because this might be a DIY project that I do because essentially an enema kit, right? You just need some sort of bucket or something to hold the liquid. Then you have to put a pipe in it, take that pipe down, run it down and put it into your behind. (laughs) And if you already have the piping and the tube that goes into the back of you, which I do, then you can somehow get it to, yeah, drain from the bucket or from the glass jar. So maybe I'll look into doing that. But I would go through that. Like I would go through Amazon. I have an Amazon storefront for basically everywhere, Canada, US, all of Europe. And well, I guess that's not everywhere. I shouldn't say that, (laughs) but they are pushing it out into more places. So if you are interested in an enema kit or bucket, or you actually know how to make your own DIY kit, let me know because I'm going to look into that. And I would start really easy really, really easy. Like I'm talking like, I would start with 500 mils of distilled, purified, very, very clean spring water. And I wouldn't even put anything in it. Like I would just do the water the first time you do it and make sure it's lukewarm. You don't want it to be cold because it doesn't feel great when it's cold, lukewarm, like nice, easy to touch. And you know, put it up there and see how long you can hold it for. To be honest, like the first few times you do this, you probably hold it for like a few minutes and that's fine. Ideally, we want to work up to a place where you're doing things like mineral enemas, coffee enemas, and you're holding it for 15 minutes, 20 minutes, right? That's where I would say we would want to work, uh, work you up to. And that's tough though. That, That is tough, especially when you use more liquid. So I think 500 mils is a great place to start. And I would do a few. So when I do it and I do like a coffee enema or even just a water simple one, like I just said, I do a few rounds because the first round gets all of the physical things out of the way, feces and stuff like that. And then the next two, three rounds really, really help clean the inside of the colon, right? Now that that physical stuff is out of the way. So I like to do two or three rounds and I would suggest you try that as well. And I will probably do a podcast episode on coffee enemas and all of the different types that you can do, but I wouldn't even go down that road until you've gotten comfortable with the basic parts of doing it and see the benefits yourself. A lot of people love it for bloating. A lot of people love it for constipation or pain or just colon health in general. And I really support that because it works. It really does work. Like it really does help flatten out your stomach. And I know it's really big with celebrities as well for that very reason. So yeah, take a look into that. There's a lot of blogs out there. I, whenever I do stuff like this, I always look at Ben Greenfield stuff because he's such a writer and his blogs are so in depth. And that is like, I'm a great writer, but I would never write 2000 words on an enema unless someone paid me directly. Like I would never do that. So I really suggest you look at his work 
read what he does, read the specifics and go from there because he definitely puts out stuff about this because I've read it and just get more clear, I would say, on why you're doing it. And then I would do it like once a week. Again, start small. Some people do them daily. Some people do them every other day. Just be careful, right? Like you don't want to overdo it. And that's like anything, like any biohack. We don't want to overdo it, okay? We want to start really small and we want to see how we feel before experimenting further and pushing the limits. So yeah, those are all my questions for today. Thank you for everybody who wrote in. I get a lot of messages lately and I really appreciate them. Like every single one, I actually respond to every single one. So it's not somebody else who's responding. It's me just trying to keep up with them myself. And if you have a question that you're like, hey, I want to ask you about this one thing. I want to hear it on your podcast shoot me a message and I will for sure answer it. I have no problems digging into basically any single topic. And if I don't know the answer to it, I will tell you directly. Stay tuned for another episode next week. And please follow me on Instagram at biohackingbrittany. I'm on TikTok at biohacking and subscribe, leave a review and do all of those great things. And I will catch you next week. Thanks for listening to another episode of Biohacking with Brittany. If you're interested in finding the show notes or the sponsors for this episode, you can do so on my website, which is biohackingbrittany.com. Remember to follow me on Instagram where I'm most active. My handle is at biohackingbrittany. And if you're interested in working together and you want to email me directly, you can do that. My email is info at biohackingbrittany.com. And I look forward to hearing from you and having you tune in next week.